Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And then everybody in that room is offered the same estate plan. The same plan. The same plan. (laughs) Everybody gets the same binder, which to me, like, that should be a red flag. Like, so many red red flags. someone says everybody needs X, Y, Z, that's a red red flag. flag. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here with my guests today for our expert session, Jen Gumbel. Hi. Hello. Thanks for joining me. Happy to. So you are uh, an attorney with a focus in estate planning, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, estate planning, I feel like, is something that people overlook a lot, and when it's overlooked, I it can tend to turn into a really terrible nightmare that will last Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Literally yes. years. It can take yes. very little time to get it organized. <laughs> and if you do not have it organized, it can drag out for years. And it doesn't even need to be your necessarily problem. It could be something your parents did that could take you years to on. Absolutely. Yes. So why don't you tell me a little bit about why you got into law and then how you decided to focus on estate planning? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's kind of um, it's kind of connected because um, I I wasn't one of those lawyers that always knew um, that I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a teacher. In undergrad, I would go to classes. I'd, I'd start out. I started out with preschool and then elementary and and high school. And I just realized that the classroom setting um, and getting kids to be interested in something they had to be was uh wasn't too fun for me <laughs> forcing but, forcing that learning forcing them yes yeah. yeah um and i happened to shadow a small town attorney and what i noticed is that the type of law he did you know estate planning probate real estate law business law that kind of stuff is really just teaching you know people come in with yeah. a question they want to know the answer and they you don't have to get them hyped up to find out you know to learn about it. They're already wanting to know. Um, and so that's what drew me into it. Um, we joke that we're the indoor cats of law where we, <laughs> we, we um, help prevent problems um, and try to avoid showing up at cor- in court in the future. Great. 
Yeah, indoor cats, meaning you don't have to leave the office to go to a court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. And you're, I, I would 100% agree with you. I feel like estate planning, that aspect of it is a lot of education. Mm-hmm. Because it's not something that you go through often, I would say. Um, yeah. What 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 do you think? What would you say? So why don't we start with the definition of estate planning, or kind of a broad um, overview of what estate planning is, and then maybe you could even tell us like how often do you think you need to do estate planning? Yeah. Um, so estate planning, um, I think of it as thinking through the legal issues that will come up um, when you die. And if you become incapacitated. And when you think about it that way, you understand that this is something that every adult should be doing. This isn't something that you only do if you're wealthy. If you have wealth, then yes, there are certain, you know, there's certain legal aspects of that um, to address. But even beginning when you're 18 and you have that autonomy over your, you know, over your own decisions, then you should be thinking through, well, you know, if something happened to me, if I get into a car accident, I I want to tell the court who I want to have do things for me, or even better, maybe put people in place to be able to do things so they don't even have to ask the court. Right. Because I think there's a misunderstanding that if you do nothing, you're fine. But if you do nothing, then the court makes your decision, right? So right. it's not that it's not yes. that you, it's, right? So you can either choose your own set of instructions or you can go through the state instructions, but you're going to use mm-hmm. instructions one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and particularly uh, that goes into the question to to the common question of, well, if I don't have a will, um, what happens? And if your assets are stuck in your name and there's no there's nothing um, about that about that asset that says where it goes next and you haven't done a will, then the court is going to do what the state presumes you would have wanted to do. Um, based on your family tree. And that might work okay, or that might be a complete disaster. Yes. And let's bring up how, so I could tell you what the court system like, and it's specifically the probate court, because that's the Mm -hmm. court that determines what's going to happen to your stuff if you didn't decide (laughs) for yourself, Uh your default instructions. In our area locally, it is running because the, with COVID and everything, um, and they, they're a little short. They were, I think they were a little short stuff before COVID. Mm-hmm. It, I think a, a basic probate, meaning nothing complicated, is like 24 months. But wow. we've yes. seen it go up to four years. Wow. So so let's take a step back and talk about like okay. when, like what's what's the role of the probate court, avoiding probate, what does that mean, like all of that stuff. So probate, just just probate court in general, that's the court that deals with these issues of someone died and we have legal issues to deal with, or someone's incapacitated and we have legal issues to deal with. Um, and can I just, can I highlight a legal issue could mm-hmm. be that you had a 401k and you never put a beneficiary. It could be, yes, uh, absolutely. it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like this huge wealth. It could be like your 401k mm-hmm. from a company you had for a couple of years. Let's just say it's $35,000 and mm-hmm. you didn't put a beneficiary. Exactly. Yep. So by far the vast majority of issues that a probate court deals with is someone died and there are assets that are stuck in their name that require a personal representative to be appointed. So I'll talk through, I'm a, I'm licensed in Minnesota. And so I'll talk through how, how the rules are set up in Minnesota. Cause it, cause it'll, um, it kind of, kind of illustrates why you would ever show up in probate court. So when, uh, when someone dies, almost everyone is going to have two different kinds of assets. They'll have assets that already tell us where they're supposed to go. So going back to a 401k, many times when someone sets that up, their HR person 
or their financial advisor is saying, well, who, who should get this? Who should inherit this? And when, when you give them a name and they put that name as a beneficiary, then your 401k is saying, here's where it goes next. Okay. But if for some reason you don't do that or for, it just doesn't, it just doesn't say where it goes next, then it's stuck in your name and by default, it goes into your estate. Okay. Now in Minnesota, we have two reasons why an estate needs the court to put in place the personal representative. Okay. So the personal representative is the person who's responsible for getting that stuck those stuck assets to go where they're supposed to go. And in Minnesota, we need the court to do that um, if the assets are over $75,000 or include real estate, okay? Everything else is is kind of considered a small estate, so you could do something easier. And so this varies by state because New York State, because that's where I practice, is uh, not as an attorney, as an advisor. It's small state exemption is 30,000, hard limit. Yes, much smaller. Much lower. Well, they yeah. make, New York likes to make a lot of money on people that live there. <laughs> right. Um, and, um, and the important thing to note is that I'm talking about assets. I'm not saying whether or not you have a will, and that's a common misconception. Yep. People think, well, I have a will, so now I've avoided yep. probate. And that's not, that's not how it works. The will actually tells us what to do in probate. They tell the court who you want to have as personal representative. They tell the court where do you want your assets to go. Um, and it's the assets that themselves that say whether or not it, it gets to the level where the state says, okay, we need to have a court confirm who this person is. So a will and probate or no will and probate go hand in hand. So yes. if, you, if, yeah, you've done have, not, if you've done mm-hmm. nothing, you go to probate. If you've done a will, you go to probate. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep, It's all a matter of what is stuck in your name. And this is true no matter what state you're in. Um, that's how probate happens is the the amount of assets that are stuck or maybe the the kind of assets that are stuck real estate interest in our in Minnesota if those things are not are not telling us where they go next then um, then the only person who can get those things to move is the personal representative appointed by the court if you've done a will then you're telling the court who you want them to put in place oh dear so now there might be some people listening <laughs> being like I don't really need to worry about this. And fair, if you're a young person, statistically, you're unlikely to die. But mm-hmm. I will tell you why you do need to worry about this. Because if your parents have done nothing, you will be yes. cleaning up this mess. Because exactly. Yes. You will, have a mess in your hands. you will literally have a mess. And obviously, I can't disclose people, but I have had multiple young people come to me when their parents did nothing, died suddenly, and they literally had to fly to other states because yes. now they're, they don't live where the parent lives. So they have to fly to the state. They have to hire an attorney in the state. They have to go through probate mm-hmm. in that state. And a lot of the times, not always, but the parent died suddenly because it wasn't expected, which is why there was no plan in place. Mm-hmm. And so now they're like digging for documents, going yes. through a probate court in another state where they don't live. It usually happens because that's how the world, you know, how life happens at a very inconvenient time. It's never like, exactly. oh, I had, nothing, yeah, yeah. I had nothing to do this summer. I totally wanted to fly. <laughs> this is the perfect back. summer for me to yeah. deal with legal issues. <laughs> I really wanted to fly home and dig through my dad or my mom's stuff and then deal with this. Yes. So uh-huh. even if you think it's not important for you, I hope it doesn't happen, but it happens a lot to people, especially as our parents start to age, that mm-hmm. they didn't put a plan in place you could be dealing with this from a parent or even a, rel- a relative if you're the next of kin determined by mm-hmm. the state. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, for people who are married and even importantly, for people who are 
not married, but have a significant relationship in their life where they're sharing household expenses and things like that are starting to combine, you know, maybe not in, maybe they're keeping some of their, their assets separate or they're combining some things like they own a house together, but maybe have their checking account separate. That issue of where do my assets go when I die and how does it get there? It's so extraordinarily important to think through because if something happens to you and you know, if you're young, it's statistically unlikely, but if it happens to you, it's going to be a mess if you haven't thought that stuff through and things can absolutely go off the rails and exactly how you don't want it to go. If you haven't thought that through. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So probate is going to be to read, basically they read your instructions in your will and then they determine it. If you don't have a will to read and you didn't take care of things, then Mm -hmm. the state determines. So Minnesota is different than New York. I'm sure all the states are a little mm-hmm. very a little bit. Um, they'll mm-hmm. we'll decide what to do. Yes. How, if you want to avoid that whole thing, how mm-hmm. do you skip probate? If you should you right. desire to. So how do I avoid probate? Well, the the way to avoid probate it goes back to remembering how probate happens. It's because assets are stuck and not telling us where they go. And so the the way to avoid probate is to get as many of your assets to say where they go as possible. So for example, that 401k with that beneficiary designation, that 401k is saying this goes to your spouse or your, you know, your parents or your kids or whoever you've listed as the beneficiary. Okay. So you think through each of your assets, your retirement accounts, your, um, your checking accounts, your, um, all of your financial instruments, your car, your home. Yeah. All of those things that you own and you think, okay, when I die, how does this move? So I'll give you a really good example of a house Okay, between a married couple that every once in a while we run into here in Minnesota because of how we do real, how we do real estate ownership that illustrates this pretty well. So most couples, you know, most married couples will own their home together and the, the deed lists both of their names. And in Minnesota, you can own real estate in two different ways. This is this is fairly true across all of the states. You can either own it where each of you are co-owners, but that's it. And the and the other way to own it is that you're co-owners and there's a right of survivorship for the surviving owner. And most married couples should have that ownership that way because that's how they want their assets to transfer. One spouse dies, surviving spouse becomes the owner. Because but of the survivorship state, clause. Right. And in my state of Minnesota, if you don't have that survivorship clause on the deed, it doesn't matter if you're married. That interest of your spouse who has just died, you just lost pretty much your person, right? You have to go through a probate process where you'll probably be appointed as personal representative. You'll And the house will probably go to you and you'll end up signing a deed to yourself when the deed originally was just missing to, you know, just missing a small little yeah, phrase. Fine, that, fi- that fine that print. print. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so every once in a while we run into situations where we have to open a probate, you know, just because the deed didn't say what it needed to. And, um, and so that's, that's where, and what is it, know. what does it cost? Like I know approximately mm-hmm. in New York, which is obviously expensive because of the time it takes, you know, that mm-hmm. the court, the local court, so not all of New York state, I'm just saying this one specific area is a, a bit delayed, especially with COVID. What does it run about in your area? Um, in my area, I'm outside of the twin cities. So we're a little bit, you know, we're, we kind of have that not twin cities discount. Um, 
<laughs> I'm in I'm in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, the the probate expenses tend to run, um, I would say, b- beginning at about four thousand dollars between the court, the the attorney. Yeah. We have to publish notice of the probate proceeding, um, but then as complications arise, that can you know that can add to the cost. So, for example, if you did your own will and you didn't get it signed correctly then that can be a reason why we have to have uh, we have to go in front of a judge instead of just having stuff signed off by the court. And so that adds to the expense and the delay. Or That's an expen- if- this is these are expensive mistakes. So four thousand yeah. starting costs in Minnesota and New York. Yeah. I think the starting cost is like six thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's that's a fairly that's a pretty fair ballpark. Um, and that's on the low end. You know, keep in mind if you're in, <laughs> you know, if you're in Miami or Los Angeles listening to this, you're probably not going to find be able to get this done for five thousand dollars. And you know, I what you just brought up with the house, I've seen that happen, and then I've seen it because typically the spouse is appointed next, but this particular court went to all five children who lived in different areas, and they all mm-hmm. had to sign off on the house yes. being and, being retained by the other parent, the survivor parent, mm-hmm. and they all had to sign off, and then you would have it. One of them got married in that time frame, or had changed the name in their time frame, And so all yes. the documents were in place. And then they said, oh, well, that's not your new name. You've updated your name since all five FedExes have been received by the court. So we're going to yep. redo the whole thing. Yeah, everything. And, yeah. and that's all more charges. Like that wasn't yeah. like, oh, we're doing it for free. Right. Rebill you. We're going to redo the whole thing. <laughs> we're going to rebill you. Right. Right. Well, and, and I mean, there are some really kind of whacked out scenarios that can play out when you haven't put your own plan in place. So for example, Minnesota has a very archaic law that says, um, it's a really stupid law. If I, if I ran the law in Minnesota, I would get, this would be my first thing. This would be my like first queenly act of Minnesota would be um, the homestead. This is, this is going to sound so weird. If you own your home or, okay. So if your home is stuck in your spouse's name and there's no will, then, you know, so let's say you let's say you get married and your spouse bought the property before you were married and you never you guys never like think to change the yeah, never changed anything. You're just like, whatever, you know, like that's legal stuff. We're not too we're not fancy enough for legal stuff. We're not gonna worry about it. And you have kids or he, maybe your spouse has kids or whatever. And the spouse dies and the interest doesn't get to you as a spouse. You have you have a right uh to a homestead, but it's a life, it's a right during life, your lifetime and you life end up, estate. it's a life estate and you end up owning it together with the kids. Now think about if the kids are small and if you need to do something with that house, that means that they can't sign off on it. You have They're to not get 18. Court, right. You have to go through the court to do that. Oh, yeah. I've seen those kind of court hearings where literally, you know, even if you're the, even if you're the parent, if we're, even if this isn't a blended family. There's no like. Yeah, and they're like, we need Sally. To sign. Kids. Yeah, we need Sally to sign. You're like, Sally's three. Sally doesn't talk. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> right. And so we need to go to the court, and the court's going to say, "Mom, we know you're the mom, and normally we'd let the mom do for for the three year old, but in this yeah. case, you have competing interests because you're the, you know, and so we're gonna we're gonna put in place somebody independent to watch out for Sally and just end up signing off on this deed. And it's there's so there's so many ways things can get messy. Um, if you're not if you're not thinking things through, oh my gosh, it sounds like a nightmare. And I will say that even I don't think, as we were just pointed out, you definitely don't need to be wealthy. You just need to have anything. If you just mm-hmm. have anything and you're an adult, you should 
look at this. Yes. Yeah. So like, let's throw out a, a really basic scenario, right? Let's say you're 18 and you have a car and you have a checking account. You're an awesome, like you're, you're a gold star human being. Like I will give you a gold star because you're thinking, you know, I'm 18. I'm probably not going to die, but maybe. So what should I do? And the answer is, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you have your autonomy and let's say you're 18 years old and you implicitly trust your parents. Your parents are okay. married and they get along and they communicate, you know, like they, they have a good yeah. relationship and you have a good relationship with them. You trust them implicitly. Okay. Well, let's talk about a few things. If you get into an, if you get into an accident, the hospital is not going to give information to your parents automatically. You need to set that up because you're an adult and the hospital is going to say, you know, parents don't just have the right on their adult children. So you need to set up a healthcare directive telling the hospital, hey, talk to my parents, give them information, that's fine with me. Um, if you trust them to deal with your finances, then think about a financial power of attorney, where if you are laid up in the hospital, hospital, then they can pay your landlord the rent or they, you know, find out what the outstanding rent is or deal with the utilities, things like that. And then as far as your, your assets, you might just think through, okay, I have my car and I have my checking account. Well, on your checking account, you can go to the bank and say, if, if I die, this goes to my parents. And that doesn't even involve an attorney. But you're asking right. the question, how do my assets move and how does it get there? And at 18, maybe you're not doing a will yet, but you're still thinking through the questions. Just to make sure you're covered. and Because the thing that I like about estate planning is you're preventing a financial or legal tragedy when typically it's the whole reason has been triggered by a personal tragedy, right? Correct. Yes. So you, I think it's the wor- a worst case scenario is to experience a personal tragedy, whether that's a severe car accident or a death with someone close to you. And now you're dealing with a financial and or legal tragedy mm-hmm. in, in the respect of this is not what you want to be dealing with when you're going through a personal tragedy like that. Yeah. And the vast majority, so the vast majority of people never deal with this stuff until there's that personal tragedy. Right. Yeah. And so, um, particularly if they haven't, you know, done their own estate planning or thought through this stuff before they're learning this stuff and then having to, to do all of this administrative stuff mm-hmm. on top of, you know, the grieving, the wrapping their head around all of that, you know, all of that. Um, they're adding a legal scramble onto everything else. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it let's makes such go a through, so 18, least amount of stuff, least complicated. So let's fast forward mm-hmm. and like talk about someone in their 30s or 40s. So a little mm-hmm. farther along have acquired some things, but wouldn't consider themselves fancy. Or as I would say, because... Because I would say uh, you hear a lot about estate planning and where it's like terrible when like Michael Jackson didn't have a will, right? Yeah, right. A lot of famous people with huge net worths. And I think the problem is they always think they'll do it later, right? Like I'll figure out who that's going to be and I'm going to do it later. Like the the most famous probate we will probably ever have in Minnesota is the Prince Estate. Yes. He did nothing. He did zero. And, oh. and like the night and day difference between if he had done some planning and what's going on now, it's... I, I can find out everything that he owned because he didn't do planning. Right, because it's um, public. Anything yeah. that you own will is public record. If it's administered through the court, yeah, it's going to be public record. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, famous people always don't do it. And I really think it probably comes down to 
they have to make a lot of decisions and they just decide that they're not going to make those decisions because they have so much stuff. But let's talk about like a normal person in their 30s or 40s. So you have, let's say, retirement accounts, you own a house, spouse, no spouse, kids, you know, it's a little more complicated. Yep. So let's talk about having having a spouse, having kids and a house and retirement. Okay. Okay. So the first thing you're thinking through is if I die and my spouse is living, you certainly want to avoid as much legal, like you want to take all of the legal issues that you possibly can off of your plate. Because think about that scenario. Your spouse died um, and you have kids that are grieving. You have to parent kids that are grieving and you're grieving losing your person, right? So you want to minimize the legal issues as much as possible. For most married couples, they don't, there's no benefit to a probate. Um, and there's and there's no need to have any sort of rules or, or oversight. You're just looking to transfer assets to the surviving spouse. So for most married couples, making sure your house is, you know, your house is owned together with that right of survivorship. Okay. Making sure your um, your 401k has the beneficiary listed, making sure that that old life insurance policy that your yes. parents got, you know, took out for you when you were in high school, just because um, because it was cheap back then. Right. Um, that you've updated the beneficiary. So it's not going to your parents, it's going to your spouse, um, that kind of stuff. Now, so you think through that level of it. And then okay. you think through the next level. If I die and my spouse is not living, we both die in the same, you know, in the, in the same in a car accident, accident. Yeah. something happened, right? Then you think through, okay, not only do I have these asset issues and getting those to where they're supposed to go in the most efficient way, but I need someone to care for my kids. Mm-hmm. And I want my kids to get these assets, but they're not old enough to be able to manage them. And so what do I do? And in some ways, estate plans for parents can be the most complicated estate plan you might have in your your whole life um, because of that added issue. Um, of thinking through, yeah, who's going to take care of your kids and who's going to take care of the finances for the kids? Because it doesn't have to be yeah. the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. a, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say that sounds pretty. I don't have kids, so that sounds very complicated. And I've seen, <laughs> and I've seen people struggle with deciding on who. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's a common. That's a common barrier where people say, "Yeah, we know we should get an estate plan, um, but we just can't figure out who the guardian in it guardian is." Mm-hmm. That's that's a huge. That's extraordinarily common. But if if they don't pick somebody and they don't have anybody, mm-hmm. how, what so happens? You, never, you don't end up telling your opinion to the court. And when it comes to getting parents in place for for children that don't have their parents, the court's going to be involved. Um, but you want to tell the court your opinion on that. Um, and if you don't do estate planning, you don't do that. Yeah. So they can the court can appoint somebody, and it might not be who. Yeah, who I mean, they just don't have they just don't have your input, and yeah. they have to they have to figure it out on their own, and you really don't want that. No, I I would say I don't really want the court to decide anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> Any court, Minnesota, New York, I don't want anyone in the court deciding for me. Okay, so as a parent, it gets more complicated. You need to think about, think through if your spouse is alive, spouse isn't alive, what happens mm-hmm. with the kids. And then from that point on, and our listenership um, is younger, um, mm-hmm. I, I would say then, but when you get into retirement, so maybe we look at that from the kid's perspective, their parent is yeah. now seven, the 70s. Parents, yeah. Yes. Okay. So if when you're when you're older... And um, and you have adult children and you're just thinking through, OK, I need my assets to get to who they're supposed to get to in the most efficient way possible. That's your that's your basic 
legal issue, legal question. And then of course, the likelihood that you might be incapacitated, that's the likelihood's up a little bit because you might have dementia, you might have, you know, you might have memory issues or things where, where you need those people to help help you. Or have a medical um, event, like a heart attack and a stroke. That's not totally uncommon when you right. get old, when mm -hmm. you're older. For, for particular people, what their estate planning looks like can be different. So for some people, trust might be really important. Um, and in many states, that's going to be true for most people. Um, but for some people and in some places, maybe that's not necessary. So I kind of think about three, three factors okay. in what makes up a particular estate plan. It's what does the law in your state, how do things play out and what does the law let you do ahead of time? Okay. Um, and so someone, in, yeah, so someone in California, there or Florida is Florida's better for me to talk about. So, so for someone in Florida, their estate plan might look vastly different than if they lived in Minnesota. With the same, I, you know, with all of the other factors. And this is why you should not take advice from a colleague or a friend or mm -hmm. a sibling because they might live in a different state and be telling mm -hmm. something that's true for them but not true for you. Exactly. Yep. So, so here's an example of that. In Minnesota, we have the option of setting up your home to transfer automatically to people. That's and our great. laws, yeah, it's awesome. And and our law is extraordinarily clear that you don't need their permission to do anything. So if you sell your home and you've said, well, when I die, it goes to my kids and you go to sell your home and downsize, you don't need your kids. You don't need your your in-laws to come sign anything. You just sell it. Now, in Florida, they have that kind of deed, but I'm I'm inactively licensed in Florida. So I'm, you know, like I'm dangerous down there. Um, but from what I've been told, that's actually a title issue that they do require the signatures. And so it's something that's hardly ever used. And so lots of people are homeowners. And for a homeowner that has an estate plan, also Florida probates tend to be a little bit like their exp the expense of it tends to be higher than some other places. And so it's more, it gets to be more important to avoid probate, but they don't have as many options as say Minnesota does. So someone in Minnesota who maybe doesn't need a trust because they can get their assets to move automatically, if they move to Florida, they might need one. Yep. Um, you know, so it just can be vastly different between states. The kinds of assets you have can can make a big difference. Of course, if, if you have a taxable estate, you know, then your estate plan is going to look different than someone who doesn't. But if you have assets that need management right away, that can that can um, adjust your planning. Um, and then finally, the people involved. Um, if you have adult children who you trust implicitly, who get along well and didn't marry crazy, your plan might look different than yep. someone whose kids don't get along or married crazy or can't manage assets, you know? So it, what your plan looks like is going to be very specific and tailored to you. Yeah, I think that's a very key point. So I feel like a lot of people are always like, my, my sibling told me or my yes. friend told me. <laughs> and so I'm going to do that too. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't do the same thing. <laughs> a lot of variables. So what mm -hmm. would you say is the best way to get started with this? Yeah, it, it can be a bit overwhelming. Right. For you, know, you know you need to do this, but how do you start, right? Now, I'm a huge advocate because it's a, a, a very tailored individual thing. I'm a really big advocate of working with an attorney, the license in the state that you live in, who is in proxy, who, who's where you're at. Because even between different parts of the state, things can yeah, play different out. Yeah, different different counties will play out differently. Yep, yep. Different courts can can do things in slightly different ways. I'm I'm a super huge advocate of that. 
But for most people, this is the only time they see an attorney. And so that can feel a little bit yeah. like going, you know, the first time you take your car to the mechanic and you're, you know, and you're no, like, even like, get, I found getting a car so intimidating the first time I yeah. <laughs> right. in New York City for so long and I had to go get a car and I was like, I know, yeah. I know I'm smart. I don't know why he's, he's talking right. to me like, I don't know what I'm like, I'm an idiot. So, right. Yeah. 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 Like the first time I took, I took, I took a car to the mechanic and they're like, okay, here's the problem. I was like, well, I hope you know what you're talking about right. and I hope you're being honest with me. But I have no way to evaluate that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even before, ultimately, you should be reaching out to an attorney. But before that, a little bit of education is so helpful because then you, you, you have a better sense of like being able to communicate and evaluate what an attorney is recommending for you. Absolutely. So, um, so two things you can immediately do. First thing is, um, is my website, Organized Afterlife. I put it together because I I continually see how important it is for people to understand the the very basics of how this works. You don't have to understand tax law. You don't have to understand you know the ins and outs of probate, but you just have to have a basic understanding yeah. of of how this can play out to be able to be an effective client with an attorney um, and get something that really works for your situation. So that so I have this website that helps give you that education. Um, Perfect. And um, the next thing that, that you can do is start to understand what do I own and gather information so you, so you can come to learn how you own it. So, okay. um, so like an inventory. An inventory, yeah. I have a 401k and who's the beneficiary that I listed? I have a, I have a life insurance policy. Who, have I, who did I list as beneficiary for that? What is my, you know, like... Get a, get a copy of the deed to your, to your house okay. so that when you go meet with that attorney, you can, you can not only get a good estate plan, but you can get help to coordinate your assets to follow that plan, to make sure that, that things play out, how the attorney strategizes the best way that, that would work for you. So do, th so those two things, go to my website and, um, you know, start to learn about how this works. And then um, start to think through what you own. Finally, um, I, I've put together a workshop that's on my that's on my website where I walk people through each step they need to do. Not only just to have documents, right? Because you can get documents anywhere, and I see people with lots of documents still leave a mess. But yes, because sometimes there's more than just the piece of paper. I call it the three thousand yes. dollar binder, which is yes. A lot yes, of yep. a, a lot of older people, unfortunately, are taken advantage of. They go to a seminar. It's usually marketed as a free steak dinner, something mm -hmm. like that. And then everybody in that room is offered the same estate plan, the same plan, the same plan. <laughs> everybody gets the same binder, which to yes. me, like that, should be a red flag. Like so exactly. many red, so many red if flags. Someone says everybody needs X Y Z. That's red a red flag. flag. Yes, yeah. and they all leave with the binder, and then the. What you hear after is, oh, I have a, I have a trust. I have an estate yes. plan. It's like, yeah. did you do, did you do anything other than write the check? And they're like, no. Right. And I'm like, yes. okay, so yes. you have a very, very expensive binder that everybody else in the room, so it's not even yes. a unique binder. You don't even have a special binder. You have a common binder for $3,000 that does nothing yes. for your estate plan. Yeah. And, and here's why, here's why simply signing a trust doesn't do it. Right? Why it's just like like it's a three thousand three thousand dollar binder, is because a tr trust 
you sign this trust document and really what a trust is, it's a set of rules about how you own something. But if your assets don't say they're following the rules, they're not following the rules. And so in, the, in, in estate planning, lawyers talk about a step of funding the trust. Yes. Right. Of like getting the assets that are supposed to follow those rules, whether it's through deeds or ownership documents or beneficiary designations or whatever, that the asset them that that particular asset says, yes, I'm following those rules. And I think about it in broader terms of not just trust funding, but even if you have a very simple plan, you want your assets to follow the plan. And that goes back to that deed with your spouse. Yeah. to make sure your deed is, you know, your house is owned in the right way so that it moves the way you want it to. If something happens to one of you, and I call that financial organization, just to, as a general yeah. way of thinking of it. And honestly, that that's the difference between people who leave a mess and people that don't, is they have a plan, a strategy that's particular to them that works for their situation, but then their assets actually follow the plan. Um, yeah, step, and step two, the fine print. Yes, exactly. And and that's why that's why I did the workshop, because I saw so many people who had great plans, but they didn't keep up with the financial organization that the plan didn't yeah. actually happen. Um, and so the so in the workshop, I go through the steps that I've seen people take who leave a manageable to do list. I, and then I give you the information you need to know t- to be able to take that step. So the step to meet with an attorney, I talk about how do you vet attorneys? What are you looking for? You know, all of that stuff. And, and then you have your homework to go do, and then you come back, do the next step and learn about the next step, take that step. And then by the end of the workshop, you've gotten an estate plan. should be done. (laughs) Yeah. You, you've taken the steps you need to take to get an effective estate plan done. And then you understand how to keep that plan working well. Right. Because it's not like set it and forget it for 30 years. Correct. Yep. And it may mean that your documents don't need to change for a long time. But as you get assets, you're thinking through, okay, how is this asset following the plan? Is it set up the way that asset is needs to be set up? Yeah, I think that's really great because I would I would say looking at it from an advisor or CF from a CFP standpoint, I think the big issue is people go to the meeting with the attorney and then sometimes get documents, sometimes don't, and they have good intentions, but then yeah. it doesn't always materialize. Exactly. Yep. And I can usually tell the situation, I can usually tell like the good, the candidates who are going to leave a manageable to-do list. And they're the ones who come in and they, they're asking, okay, what about my beneficiary designations? How do, how do those play into this? You know, and they're thinking through, okay, assets and how does that work? And when you, when you're thinking of those questions, then you're, you're thinking through the things, the additional things you need to do beyond just getting documents. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So we'll absolutely link that for our listeners, your website and then the workshop, because I think I also think vetting attorneys is really important. And I love that you are so education first because it's a big decision. And just like the car mechanic or the car salesman, like I don't want to be talked over or, you know, like talked (laughs) at. So I Uh think like Finding somebody, like knowing how to vet an attorney is also critical because you want to be with someone you trust and who's somebody who's going to really listen to your concerns and and, and create a custom plan for you. Mm-hmm. And plans don't necessarily have to be like super expensive. Right. You know, depending on the situation, some people, it's the cost of a washing machine. Um, and it's, it's something that you do not every year. Right. Um, you do it 
you do it once every handful of years or every, you know, 10 years or something like that. Um, and it works really well. And, and it's stra- and it's strategized to minimize those legal issues. And I would argue that if you do it up front, it's a fraction of the cost than if you leave a mess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. It's like a sale. Mm-hmm. It's like 50% off if you do it in, in advance. <laughs> 50% you, off your legal issues. <laughs> yes. It's 50% off if you plan in advance. If you do not create a plan, the state will be charging you double. Correct. <laughs> okay. Well, wonderful. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on. This was yeah, so in, insightful. Oh, great. I'm so glad to hear it. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. So we will link, uh, for all of our lovely listeners, we will link your website and your workshop so that you can all get your estate planning taken care of. This is a great project for 2022. So get organized. (laughs) And also I would say if you're organized, I absolutely would check in with your parents to see if you can assist them Mm -hmm. or make sure they are organized. And I should also plug, I have a a video on my website about tips about talking to your parents about this. Oh, we should link that. Don'ts, you know, because I see a lot of these conversations and there are ways to go about it. Uh, that are that are productive, and there are ways to go about it that are very much not productive. So I have a vi- video, completely free video, on my website for that. Perfect. So we will link that video because I think talking to me, if you were going to have a New Year's resolution, something to do in 2022, talking to your parents about their estate plan is a great thing. And so we'll link mm-hmm. that video because Absolutely. there are definitely it makes sense that there are good ways to do that and bad ways to do that. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much, Jen. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Thank you to all of our lovely listeners. You can find our most up-to-date information on Instagram at Future Rich Podcast. And you can check out our website at www.futurerichpodcast.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.